possible. You're kidding. Just one shot? They're not all zombies, Doug. How do you fight this thing? Maybe we could drown it in A1 sauce. Well, sometimes that is better. The person you put up there ain't the person that comes back. Uh, it's that song to get down with. About six feet under. Get dead. Ooh, I love this song. And now we come to the thrilling final episode of our radio drama. This Cochrane. All I can tell you, mister, is watch out. Season He's watching you, friend, I guarantee you that. Drink our dream, drink our dream. Hey, Mr. Cochrane, just what is the final process? Fellas, I was just kidding. Witchcraft. To us, it was a way of controlling our environment. Hey! Where are they taking her? They're taking her to the factory. Just what I had in mind for you, little buddy. Why, Congress? Why? Do I need a reason? I've got nothing here to indicate there was ever a body at all. Operator, this is an emergency. I do love a good joke, and this is the best ever. A joke on the children. I'm glad you'll be able to watch it. You've got to believe me. They're going to kill us. All of us. The world's going to change tonight, Doctor. Happy Halloween. Stop it! Halloween 3, season of the witch. The night no one comes home. Hello and welcome everyone to another episode of Rotten Reviews. Today we're sitting down to watch uh, Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Um, I remember watching this years ago as a kid and getting so disappointed with it because it didn't have Michael Myers in it. But now re-watching it, being older now and understanding it's actually a really good movie in the series. I like that it's different from everything else. And uh, I like the Shamrock Company. Yeah. And it's got Tom Atkins in it. So, can't really go wrong with that, right? <clears throat> so, uh, how about you guys sit back, relax a little bit, and we'll get this movie started. The best way that we know how to. I like the intro to this movie. Like, just the different uh, design of the pumpkin moving in the background and the, the VHS filter and that subtle music which is known for this this addition into the Halloween uh, franchise music by John Carpenter of course 
Did I say that word? John Carpenter, of course. John Carpenter, of course, does the music for this film. Pretty sure it's like, I think Carpenter wanted his name to be on the title. You know, he's mainly just the music director in the first one. Or maybe all of them, I don't know. I've never really done a deep dive history into the Halloween um, series. For me, I've always been... I don't like the top three. I think I like Freddy the most. Uh, but out of um, horror icons in general, it's definitely Leatherface that I like the most. Um, then Freddy's would be up there. And Jason's up there too. It's, I don't know. Michael Myers have always been on the fence about. That's not to say it's not a good character and not a good franchise. Because it is. I'm not, I'm not getting at that at all. I'm just... People pull them a little higher than I, I would. And we're not going to be bashing the Rob Zombie remakes or anything. I personally, I enjoy Rob's music. And I enjoyed, you know, his take on the franchise. Um, I think for me, just really in general, I understand as being a creative person that a lot of things go into making um, movies or art pieces in general. So I always try and look for even the smallest thing to justify the creation of a piece. So I'm not a really good judge of things in that sense. I always look for the good in anything that's bad. So got the movie starting. Got a little bit of a chase scene going on here. Got the music picking up. Really sets the tone for the movie right off the bat. Just, you know, that guy running to try to get into a building tone of the music and tempo starting to pick up a little bit and uh, got this car slowly falling behind and that car is just going to drive away because of, I don't know apparently they didn't just see him ducking down on the, the steps there I'm sure they did but uh, they're not making any moves towards it so oh well I guess gotcha they're coming back um for the podcast, it's really just like talking about the movies and everything that's happening in scene for scene, acting like as if it was something I've never seen before. So, it's just really my format, my style. Hopefully, you guys enjoy it. You know, hopefully, you got the guy who's trying to get away and he randomly uh, gets into the grasp of a stranger who's fully decked out in a suit and he's got some black gloves on. Um, he's getting choked out right now. And the random guy tries to pull on the chain, which is connected to a, a concrete slab that's actually holding a car in place. Finally gets the slab to move out of the way, and the uh, car slowly starts rolling towards him. The guy who's uh, choking him out, though, does nothing about the car coming. He literally just watches it roll towards him, and then uh, I guess the compression of the car squishing between... Or switching the guy between the two car was enough to just instantly kill him. Uh, I don't think that's how that works. I've never been squished between two cars. But one, that car wasn't rolling that fast. And uh, two, you know, his reaction to getting squished is like he got, you know, like, murdered really badly. I mean, I know you know what I'm going for here. It's a Friday night. Uh, it's like 10 o'clock at night. Uh, I'm exhausted. I'm tired, and uh, I still got this to do, and then I gotta edit it. So it's gonna it's gonna be a long night. Now we uh, we skip to what I think was one hour later. One hour later, rain pouring down, and we have someone watching a TV about the Stonehenge or something along those lines. Yes, Stonehenge. That's correct. Some standing stones. Now you see the first time that the uh, uh, Shamrock Corporation's commercial comes on TV. It's a catchy song. Not gonna lie. Probably gonna skip it in or fit it in in the podcast here and there. You know. Said by Mass, give me money. Money. You wanna give me money, don't you? Give me money. 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 Oh, it's raining and thundering in the movie. In the movie, not in real life, not at the moment. Um, 
And sadly, the guy's TV goes up. Now how's he supposed to watch his uh, TV shows and stuff? Huh? How, what's he supposed to do now? Just gonna sit in this gas station and watch it rain? No. Doesn't look like there's anyone around for miles. Looks like his gas station's based out of the middle of nowhere. Which I understand. It's good to have gas stations in the middle of nowhere. That way you can get gas when you run out of gas. That's besides the point. If anyone was thinking that was a stupid idea, it's not a stupid idea. It's good to have gas stations throughout the area. Throughout the area. And then we have the guy who was being chased. He burst through the gas station and he's warning the uh, gas station clerk that they're coming. And he pulls out the jack o' lantern mask. And that looks like he, I don't know, maybe he dies. I'm not too sure. Uh, He's in the tow truck with the gas station clerk, and they're on their way out. I don't know, maybe to the hospital. I'm assuming to the hospital or police station. That would make the most sense. As they're driving away, uh, one of the guys in the suits just pops around the corner of the gas station. You know, doing this whole creepy pop around. We've got Tom Atkins showing up at home. Um, seeing his two kids. Happy Papa. He's such a happy dad. Brings his kids some ugly ass Halloween masks as a gift. Kids, kids aren't happy because they already got, uh, they already got masks. They're, they're from the sh Silver Shamrock. That's good old Silver Shamrock mask that's gonna make you be a, uh, I don't know. I got nothing. I got nothing. I got no puns. No witty comments. How convenient the kids are sitting down on the floor with their mask on and the commercial comes on. Silver Shamrock. We have uh, Tom Atkins at the hospital coming in to check on a patient. He's uh, clearly a doctor of some sort. So we see the gas tank clerk and the other guy who was being chased. They're both at the hospital, and Tom Atkins is going to be his doctor. So the guy laying on the gurney as he's getting rolled in the hospital, and uh, the Silver Shamrock commercial comes on while the TV's in the, another room. And the guy starts uh, freaking out and telling the doctor that they're going to kill him or kill us. They're, apparently, the Silver Shamrock Corporation is going to kill everyone. Doesn't matter who you are, you're going to die from the Silver Shamrock. Got this scene of outside the hospital now, and we have one of the gentlemen in the suit just slowly walking up to the hospital. So, uh, probably, most likely, uh, guy who was getting chased is probably going to get murdered now in the hospital because uh, the guy in the suit is sneaking around the hospital. Apparently there's not that much uh, for security in the hospital. You know, it's probably super late at night. But we just let anyone in. There's no such thing as visiting hours. Just let them all in. Music starting to get a little bit of an evil tone to it. Starting to pick up a little bit to break the silence as we watch the suited man from the Silver Shamrock Corporation slowly walking down the halls of the hospital. Um, can we all take a guess what's going to happen here? Huh? Huh? What's that guess? What's that? He's going to kill someone? Hmm? Probably right about that one. You're probably right about that one because the doc is going to lay down and take a nappy poo. He's going to sleep away all his worries. We got the suited gentleman who sneaks into the side room just so he can put on his gloves. Because, uh, remember folks, can't kill anyone with your gloves off. Because then you're going to leave fingerprints. Fingerprints are not good. Why are we talking about this? This is not episode Dexter. Uh, this, this could get me in a lot of trouble. Uh, uh, we're just going to go back to the movie now. So, we see a really bad scene. The suited man's in the other guy's, uh... Uh, hospital bed area. Uh, he's got his one hand covering up the guy's mouth and takes his other hand. I don't know if he's tr like trying to put his fingers inside the guy's eye sockets, but at one point it looks like he's also grabbing the nose and breaking the nose. So, pretty sure he's dead. Good guess. And then we see a scene of the suited gentleman who's wiping the blood off of his glove onto the curtain. No big deal. Let's just wipe that blood off. Gotta get clean. Gotta be nice and sterile. And then next thing you know, a nurse walks in and just like, What are you doing here? And uh, we cut to Atkins still asleep on the couch. And she's screaming at the top of her lungs. And apparently it's only her and Atkins in the hospital. 
Because no one else comes running. Nobody's in the hallway. Nothing. It's just the two of them. It's just the two of us. <laughs> just the two of us. And we see uh, Atkins, who's trying to chase down the suited gentleman. Atkins is running. Suit gentleman just slowly walking away. And still makes it to his car before Atkins can even catch up to him. While in the car, the suit gentleman starts pouring gas all over his face. And then uh, lights the whole car on fire. Uh, I guess that's one way of doing the job. Uh, if you want to do a hit, you know, do the hit. And uh, then you pour gas on yourself and blow yourself up. I don't know why you want to do that. But you just do whatever the Silver Shamrock Corporation tells you to do. Be a good little puppet now, don't ya? Or won't ya? Be a puppet. Won't you be my friend? And be a puppet? And do everything I say? Got Tom Atkins. Uh, we find out his character's name is Dan. Calling his wife Linda. Saying, I'm not going to be able to pick up the kids tonight. Um, well, you know, there was a murder here. Uh, and a suicide. So I really can't pick up the kids right now. Um, kind of kind of some issues right going on. Cops all over the place. Firefighters. Car blew up. Guy got killed. You know, I, I really can't pick up the kids. I'm going to be late. Definitely going to be late for work. Uh, I'm going to be stuck here for a while. Lots of paperwork to do. Lots of paperwork. Clearly, Linda's not uh, happy on that phone call because you can hear her as uh, she's saying bye. And she's definitely got a very uh, pissed off tone to her voice. Uh, super pissed off. This is when uh, Atkins realizes that the gentleman who got murdered was are holding he was holding a silver shamrock jack-o-lantern mask so he's uh looks like he's getting a little curious about it but he's not really going to do anything about it at the moment just having a little bit of a flashback to a gentleman saying that he wants it they want to kill us all when we cut to scene of the next day it's uh sunny out um we have them inside the hospital room with the body there's a police chief and one of the deputies and a girl comes in to identify the body blaming the whole incident on some drugs goddamn drugs cuts you seeing just Dan Tom Atkins walking through the hospital uh, sees the daughter off on one of the corners crying yeah, he looks a little upset about it rightfully so you know it's not like he was working on the patient, but he was going to be dealing with that patient. And uh, now he doesn't have to, so... Might feel bad because it happened kind of on his his shift, you know. <clears throat> so then we cut to uh, Tom Atkins, Dan, at the coroner's office. Talking to one of his uh, female friends who works there. He wants her to work personally on the autopsy to try and figure out what happened. Um, everyone's saying drugs, but... Clearly, he does not think it was drugs, and uh, she mentions that you're going to need more than drugs and a little bit of arm strength to be able to rip someone's skull apart. So that's clearly how you killed the guy in the bed, was uh, broke that skull in half. Sounds a little painful. Not going to lie. Now we are Friday the 29th. <clears throat> Got Dan sitting at a bar watching some weird ass cartoon. I have no idea what it is. And I know cartoons. Uh, this is uh, a funny. Um, Dan asks the bartender Charlie to change the station, and that's when we see a snip of one of the Halloween commercials, which then cuts into this Silver Shamrock commercial. Uh, I thought that was kind of funny that they put in an original Halloween commercial into the movie. Clearly, it's been uh, a couple days, and the funeral's already happened for the guy who got murdered. Um, because at the bar, the daughter shows up to talk to him and says, I noticed you at the funeral, and thank you for coming. So, clearly, it doesn't take long for them to get a funeral together. Not long at all. Uh, the daughter's kind of just there at the bar to talk to him, to try and fish out some ideas of why everything happened. Um, and that becomes the investigation starting in the movie. Them uh, talking about what's going on and the little things that they've seen. More or less what Dan's seen because she hasn't been around. So Apparently uh, her dad owned a little small convenience store. Or a home reno store. Kinda, yeah, it looks kind of convenience store-esque. Mixed with like a Home Depot home hardware. A little mom and pop shop for sure. 
apparently uh, he put all his life savings and his work into that store. Uh, it's his, it was his number one spot. The thing he put all his time in. Uh, it's funny, in, uh, in his store, uh, he has a silver shamrock display in the store to sell the mask, which is funny because that's one of the masks he was holding onto when he got murdered. It's all coming together now, folks. It's all coming together. Apparently find out that the daughter of the gentleman who got murdered, she's from LA, so she's gonna stay out wherever they are until they figure out the figure out what happened and why why it happened. Cut to uh, Dan on the payphone payphone with his wife or ex wife I should say. Um, they're arguing because he's not picking the kids up for the weekend like he said he would. Uh, definitely not win any Father of the Weird, Father of the Year awards. Yeah, I don't think he's gonna win any of them ever, cause he's striking out. He's striking out pretty good so far. Um, he's not picking up the kids because he's uh, going on a drive to figure out what happened to the man who died, who got murdered. Uh, I believe this is when they start to head towards uh, the location where Silver Shamrock make the mask, their main headquarters. Yep, we see them driving down the highway. Got the music changing up a bit. More of a classic 80s Halloween horror music with the organs and everything. Uh, while they're driving, um, the company that makes the mask is pretty much built in the middle of nowhere. It's built in farm country. Full-on farm country. It's like the only main thing um, that this Amish community has the Amish community, Santa Mira, who's known for making the Silver Shamrock novelty mask, he goes on to a little spew about the history of the town and whatnot, so maybe I'll try and include that into the podcast, but we'll have to wait and see if I can find a good clip of it. Um, the Amish, Irish-looking area, just drove by the Dublin Inn, going by a hairdresser area that's called... Shamrock Savings, or maybe it's a grocery store. I'm not really, I'm not really too sure. All I see is two girls standing in a window, so I can't really judge what the building might be. While they're driving, clearly uh, everyone in this town is not used to seeing strangers because everyone's just gawking and staring at them like they've never seen any ever another human being in their life. They uh, they pull up to the factory. It's a big, big factory. Uh, the daughter says uh, they need to come up with a plan as to how they're going to go about this. So Atkins decides to head back to the gas station, see if they know anything, and then to rent some rooms in the inn to pretend that they're being buyers, I don't know, looking to buy some houses or maybe some land to start a, start a family. Getting a, they're getting a, a suite in the inn. It's cozy and quiet and it's all for the right price. Uh, Atkins runs off to the main office while the gentleman is showing the in-room. Atkins runs to the main office to try and go for the booking to see if, uh, I think her name is Julia's dad was around. So he's doing his best private eye sneak job to try and find as much information as possible. Because clearly he's not going to uh, find out too much information because he's used to being a doctor. And then the same slow-moving car that we see from the first movie uh, slowly drives by the the inn, and the gentleman who runs the inn is just standing there waving. Connell Cochran is the name of the person in the slow-moving car. And we have a Winnebago that comes plowing into the inn and uh, stops just before seeing Atkins. And one of the... Uh, the bikes on the Winnebago falls off right in front of Atkins. So, this this family that's coming out of the uh, Winnebago reminds me of Cousin Eddie from National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Just uh, very very messed up. So uh, Dan goes into the inn area, uh, the inn room that they have, the suite. I don't, I don't know. I've never been to inn. I guess it's a suite, but. Uh, yeah, uh, the daughter Julia has all these plans of her information. Um, she's seen Cochrane, so she's getting all excited. She feels like she's figuring the plan out. 
And uh, Dan's like, oh, let's just slow down. I need a drink. So uh, too much stuff going on here. Uh, it's, it's a zoo. A zoo here. And I want to just uh, take it easy. And already at the point, uh, Dan and Julia are making out on the bed. He doesn't waste any time because uh, in the hospital, he's slapping the nurse's ass. So I'm assuming he's supposed to be some sort of ladies' man. I don't see it, but uh, it is what it is. And then uh, 6 o'clock comes around. It's 6 o'clock at night, not in the morning. And uh, it's curfew time. And everything needs to shut down. Everyone needs to stay off the streets. Uh, even the cats, because a guy grabs his cat and takes his cat inside. Uh, it's even curfew for the animals. I'm not sure how that works out, but it is what it is. Santa Mira is a very weird town, which has a 6 p.m. curfew, even for the animals. Uh, I would not want to live there. Sure, I don't go outside that much. I'm not going to lie. Uh, but a 6 p.m. curfew? Mm, no, not happening. Not for this guy. Oh, no, we see a, we see a cat who jumped off a fence. It's, it's definitely past 6, 6 p.m. because it's pitch black. And uh, that cat's, that cat's going to be screwed. It's going into kitty jail. Or it's just going to get shot. You know, anything's possible. So the, even the Shamrock, uh, Silver Shamrock has um, cameras throughout the town just watching everything. Uh, clearly they own the whole entire town. There's a Dan coming out of a, a, a old little mom-and-pop convenience store. He went to go get some booze. Um, but if it's all right back curfew, why is anything open? Um, that's besides the point, I guess, right? You know, that doesn't need to make sense at all. Uh, then on the walk home, Dan runs into this homeless guy. And uh, they share some booze. And then uh, they start talking about Cochran and everything else. And what he's done for the town. Apparently Cochran brought in all new people to work in his factory. Didn't hire anyone in the town. So that's why he's homeless. Because he lives there the whole time. But uh, he won't get hired at all for anything. And the drunk makes a comment that Cochran's probably listening. And just tells him to fuck right off. He has no concerns about it whatsoever. He's, uh, he's not worried if Cochran comes after him. So he just has a big F you to give to him. Uh, the drunk's walking all the way, just uh, going on about the last Halloween. He wants it to be the last Halloween. We'll end it all now. Make it the final Halloween. So see the drunk walking around. I think he's in like a scrapyard. Yeah, definitely a junkyard going through in between the cars. Um, I think he's got Dan's bottle of alcohol, unless he uh, has a different one from somewhere. And uh, yeah, we see that the the drunk lives in the, the junkyard. How convenient, I guess. Uh, I guess it works. Um, while walking around in the junkyard, he uh, has a large flashlight shining in his face, and uh, two guys with suits corner him. Guess uh, we know what that means. Guess the little Mr. Homeless Drunk is going to see his last Halloween. Yeah, the one guy in the suit literally grabs the drunk by his ears, uh, grasping his entire head, and pulls his head clean right off the neck. Which is, you know, it's weird. Uh, because if he has the strength to pull the guy's head right off the neck, how come when that car was rolling down, it looked like it killed the other guy? So, uh, they, they're really strong, but they have a little weak spot? Like, what is it? But Marge who uh, corners uh, Julia as she's walking back into her inn. Um, for whatever reason, March was sitting in her car and just literally lays on the horn to get Julia's attention. Uh, then they have a little conversation. Apparently, Marge is there to pick up an order of masks because she's tired of ordering online and waiting. Um, so she thinks Julia's there for the same reason, but she's not. Um, so yeah, it's just a conversation back and forth, and... Marge just saying how these small companies are having to wait for the bulk orders because they're just getting, you know, left behind in the mass production. And apparently the production of the mass is going down as well 
because uh, apparently the kid was, or Marge's child was throwing around the mask and the the uh, button or whatever it's called stuff fell right off the mask. Oh no, this little accessory on the mask fell off. It's not like the mask got ripped in half, lady. Let's not worry about it. Um, we have Dan who's calling in to his friend uh, at the uh, coroner's office to see if she's got any leads. Um, kind of find out someone screwed up their job because uh, and they should get fired for this one because that's big boo-boo. Um, she's not looking at the ashes of the person who boo or killed herself. Uh, she's looking at the ashes of part of the car. Uh, seat or dash or something. So yeah, that's going to be really, really helpful. Uh, glad to see how the car got damaged and what happened to it. And then we, uh, we got Dan who's coming back to the inn room and uh, Julia's in the lingerie because apparently the, in the one little suitcase she has, she packs lingerie. I don't know. Is that how girls do it? I really don't know. Could be. I really don't know. They're clearly moving very, very quickly. Uh, they don't care, I guess, because it's the 90s, and uh, you just uh, stick it in whatever you want to stick it in. You got uh, Dan and Julia laying in bed, and then the commercial for Silver Shamrock Mask Company comes on the radio. You know, I'm pretty sure the radio was off. It just randomly turns the radio on. And instead of Dan turning the radio back off, he just changes the channel. That's all he does. We have Marge laying in uh, her bed in her motel in room. Um, she's reading a book and she's getting tired of it, so she's getting ready to call it a night. That's when she then looks on the floor and notices the badge or whatever that's on the uh, mass. That is the reason why she's there as well, because it fell off from her uh, son throwing up against the wall. She notices that the badge has a kind of like a computer chip in the background, back up. So she takes a hair clip and uh, starts playing around with it. And next thing you know, uh, she gets shocked in the face uh, to the point where, like, her lips are all gone and her eyes are bloodshot and red. She's pretty fucked up. Not gonna lie, she's pretty fucked up. Uh, and then a bug crawls all over her mouth. And uh, it's safe to say she's dead. Um, not sure where the bug comes from or how it comes from, but yeah, bug comes out of her mouth. It's uh, also still late at night, and then Tom Atkins and Dan wakes up to the commotion outside. Here it's a white, tr white truck with a bunch of guys in white jackets um, coming to pick up Marge's dead body. Not sure how the, not sure how they know about Marge. Uh -huh. Not sure if the button or the badge uh, shoots a signal to the company to let them know that it's killed someone or what it is, but it is what it is, I guess. So yeah, apparently when you're playing around with the badge, it uh, notifies them like life alert, I guess. Wait, is this life alert? This is what life alert was originally intended to be. Cochran shows up and to try and tell Dan and Julia that she's going to get the best treatment possible uh, apparently they're taking her to the factory and the factory has the best uh, hospital area and she'll get the best treatment possible um, she'll pretty much just get put in a toaster and burnt alive and turn into ashes probably or they're gonna skin her and use her skin for Halloween mask material one of the two maybe good possibility at least anything's possible though right all right yeah anything's possible it's now Saturday the 30th, early morning, the whistles are blowing, the horns are blowing, we see a shot of the factory, and uh, it's back to Dan calling the corner again, just uh, trying to figure out what's what's going to happen, figure out any information that, uh, kind of find out uh, she feels like someone's trying to um, play with the evidence, because uh, she can't find any evidence off of the the ashes or anything at all no bone no nothing she can't find any evidence of a person being there at all and as uh, Dan's getting off the phone we see 
it panned down to the bottom of the desk where the phone is and there's actually like a wiretap coming out of the desk so this whole thing that he's doing is being listened to the whole time man they got the cloverleaf for everything because uh, Dan and Julia are getting out of the car I think they're going to like a convenience store or something but there's a clock up on the wall that has a Cloverleaf logo on it as well and there's masks inside this convenience store as well uh, off in the corner clearly uh, Mr. Cochran has this whole town under his grass uh, we're gonna find out that they're actually in the um, Shamrock headquarters I guess you could say because they're uh, Dan and Julia are getting ready to leave and then the cousin Eddie style family comes in from the Winnebago and they have a meeting to meet Mr. Cochran. Apparently a uh, buddy is there because he stole the most mask out of everyone. Good for you buddy. Buddy the elf. We, uh, we find out that buddy and his family are going on a guided tour of the facility and uh, buddy for reasons like well can my friends come along too? And then uh, Dan and Julia are invited along with the, along for the uh, the tour of the facility, which we just see some basic masks getting sculpted, mold getting poured, all that kind of fun stuff, resins and all that kind of crap. I'm kind of curious. I, I want to compare this to an actual mask facility to see how it lines up, how they did for uh, like reference and whatnot. I'm assuming it's pretty accurate. Um, probably be hard to compare that nowadays to old times but definitely very curious because it looks like they did a lot of uh, reference and stuff and research to see how Mass Factory actually looks and runs. Apparently Cochran's been in the mask and toy business for years because even Buddy as a kid had a, one of uh, Cochran's toys. Apparently uh, Cochran is the inventor of the sticky toilet paper and the soft chainsaw to name a few pranks and gags because uh you know those are so so funny so funny gags also i'd like to mention uh, buddy's wife while walking around this whole time is carrying like an 8x10 mirror and she's like fixing her makeup every now and then i don't know why but you know it's a fun little thing to notice i guess i also like that uh we're watching the loading dock area of this uh, facility and all the guys loading the trucks are dressed in like green army outfits uh, full on green you know long sleeve shirt green pants and even like a green army hat on as well makes you wonder I don't think uh, any happy employees would be uh, dressed like army you know army people is that the technical term? Uh, army bets? Ah, I don't even know where I'm going with this, to be honest with you. I'm just gonna shut up. About this part, at least. While on the loading dock, uh, Dan's looking around. Uh, he looks at the roof across. He looks at the, uh, trucking area. And he sees a couple guys just sitting there with fully decked out in suits. At this point, when he sees the, the gentleman, he's like, goes over to Julie and he's like, Ah, honey, it's, uh... It's time for us to go now. Uh, because these guys all remind him of the guy that killed Julius' dad. And then we uh, go by a loading dock where a door goes up. And we see Julia, who's uh, freaking out a little bit. Because she sees her dad's car peeking out from underneath the tarp inside the garage. And then as soon as she starts running closer to it, uh, all the suited gentlemen... Uh, walk in front of her and block her from getting any closer and uh mr cochran lost it off to buddy saying ah just trade secrets no big deal with uh dan who's now trying to make a phone call he wants he's trying to get a hold of the operator to, you know call the police to try and get someone to come up to where they are to get the situation figured out and uh every time he tries calling uh comes up as a failed call and then in the background, the Silver Samrock Halloween commercial comes on and starts playing in the background. You know, at this point in time, I just realized I've been butchering uh, the daughter's name the whole time. Uh, apparently her name's Ellie and not Julia. 
or Julie or whatever I might have been calling it the last little bit. Um, uh, yeah, it's late at night and uh, shit happens, right? Right? It's totally professional. Yeah. Oops. Uh, but yeah, when Dan's on his way back to the in room uh, from trying to make the phone call, uh, he notices that the door is wide open, so he runs in try and find her and come find out she's gone missing uh, nowhere to be seen and then we s just see a bunch of these suited guys all over the place and Dan has to jump out the back window to try and escape and then it's we see various scenes of him running through the the town I guess you would call it I don't think it's not big enough the Amish town yeah it's not big enough to be called a city um, just him running through the town at one point, we see this little car pull into a garage, and they have uh, Ellie. There's uh, two or three of the suited guards come out, and they have Ellie, and they're walking her into the facility. And Dan makes his way to another payphone and keeps trying to call for help, but uh, he still keeps getting the same message. And apparently, he's not going to learn his lesson because the uh, operator's not going to help you. He's, she's not going to help you at all. Because uh, Mr. Cochran has this whole town under control. Phone lines and all. Then we have uh, Dan now. Who's uh, trying to find a way into the Silver Shamrock headquarters. Uh, he finally finds a window that he can scoot into. Um, just walking through. Uh, it's like one of the mass prep stations where another mass are painted. They're all sculpt it and mold it but uh, they're not not finished by any means so we'll just cut and see him uh, slowly making his way through trying to figure out what's going on probably trying to save Ellie because apparently he's got a thing for her now and I'm gonna call her by her right name so if I was screwing that up I'm so sorry not really that sorry I'm just I feel kinda stupid not that stupid, but uh, stupid nonetheless. We have uh, Dan as he's making his way farther through the building. Um, he comes up and opens his door. And inside, all around the other side of the door, is an older lady sitting inside a chair knitting. Uh, she's in like a little Victorian outfit and whatnot. And uh, he's like, where's the girl? And she's not saying anything, so he says it again and goes over and grabs her by the shoulders and shakes her. Uh, comes to find out her head falls off and she's a robot. And then we have him getting grabbed by one of the suited gentlemen and getting thrown across the table and through some boxes. Uh, hopefully those boxes are empty because uh, every time he's going through a box, uh, he's uh, destroying all the merchandise inside of it. So you guys are going to lose on some money if you don't smarten up. Uh, we then have Dan getting the upper hand of the suited gentleman he he gets on top and just starts punching him in the stomach for a reason not the face the stomach uh to the point i think that's like the third or fourth punch uh dan's punch goes right through the guy's stomach and it's just an orange orange brownish slime coming out and then next thing you know uh he's grabbed by two other suited gentlemen and mr cochran comes up holding the old lady's robotic head in hand uh, as Dan is captured by the two suited gentlemen, Mr. Cochran actually knows that uh, Dan is actually a doctor and that he was lying the whole time. So, Mr. Cochran knows a lot about everyone, everywhere. Sunday, the 31st. Halloween. Halloween. It's Halloween time. See uh, Dan getting into an elevator with the two suited gentlemen, Mr. Cochran. Um, clearly, they're going to somewhere secret because this factory I don't think should have an elevator. It doesn't really look that big to need an elevator, so I'm assuming they're going deep down underground somewhere. Clearly, if you guys haven't clued in yet, all these suited gentlemen are robots created by Mr. Cochran. Uh, they're as lifelike as possible. And they're quiet and obedient. That's just what he wants, I guess. You know, it is what it is, right? You know, you get a nice race of people who are nice and quiet and listen to everything you do. You can't go wrong, right? Uh, now, while they're down in this basement area, it's, there's a bunch of computers hooked up all, all over the place. And I think there's like one of the 
It looks like a stone system from like Stonehenge uh, that they're just literally chipping away at trying to figure out and I guess maybe take pieces from. Yeah, apparently underneath the ground they have the entire Stonehenge and that everything that's up above ground is just a fake model. Apparently the Stonehenge stones has a power in it. That's what's controlling everything. It's a, a magnetic force that's in the particles. So which then gets put into the the bead or the button that gets put in on the back of the mask, which holds the power of the mask. That's why uh, the one lady, while playing with it, got zapped in the face. I guess makes sense. You know, it's got some sort of electrical power, and when you start playing around with it, it uh, starts having a mind of its own. So when the, we then have uh, just looking at the computer, computer screens, and uh, they're going to show them a demonstration of what's going to happen. That's uh, when we have Buddy and his family walking through the facility some more and they're going into this little like living room area that's going to be blocked off and locked it locked away um buddy's wife goes to move the curtains and it comes by out. it's just the, just the wall behind it there's nothing there's no window nothing and then when the door locks or shuts it locks and uh they're in testing room a uh, buddy thinks that they're in the room because Mr. Cochran wants to just run by some commercials for him uh, I guess because because he's the biggest salesman uh, but also at the same time uh, but he's wondering why Mr. Cochran won't take uh, his order for next order hmm I wonder why maybe uh, you're gonna be dead just a thought just an idea you don't see it coming at all but I sure as hell do and then, of course, in the room, there's a TV, and the uh, Silver Shamrock commercial comes on. And the little boy puts the Jack Lantern mask on his head. And uh, he pretty much gets in a trance just watching the TV screen as it's changing between a blue screen and the Jack Lantern screen. So while the commercial's going off, um, the little boy starts grabbing his mask. And you can clearly tell that inside his the mask, his head's starting to to uh boil a little bit starting to melt a little bit and then next thing you know we got some uh, insects coming out of his uh his mouth and everything i'm not really sure where the insects come from or why they're a big deal in this but yeah uh they start uh coming out of his dead lifeless body hello freaks and creeps it's that time again where we help support some fellow horror content creators First up, we have Diabolic DVD. Make sure to check out DiabolicDVD.com for all the new listings on horror DVDs and Blu-rays. Hell, there's even some titles there I've never heard of before. Great content, great customer service. You won't be let down. Next up, we have Graveyard Goods. Content created for the dead. By the dead. Don't be left to the dead. Right now in stock, they have some... Hellraiser, Halloween 3, and Exorcism merch, such as sweaters, hats, and sweatpants. Definitely go check them out as well. Check out their newsletter, sign up, and don't be left for the dead. That's graveyardgoods.com. Until next time, we'll talk to you guys later. Got some worms and some snakes. So it's a fun time. Apparently, I don't, I still don't get it. I don't get what makes in the mass to make insects and snakes and stuff come out of the body. Especially the head. Um, you know, it is what it is, but uh, I just don't understand. Oh, that's a rattlesnake. That's good. You're screwed. And uh, Buddy has a snake latching onto his pant leg. Doesn't look like it's actually biting him yet, but it will bite him soon. And then we see Buddy fall down. And uh, he's dead. So is the mom. They're all dead. And there's just a bunch of snakes and bugs running around that room. And then we just cut to the scene of the, a bunch of TVs in a store window with the uh, Halloween commercial playing. And then we see a bunch of the Halloween uh, helmets. What did I say helmet? Halloween masks being taken off the shelves. And the kids putting them on and starting to wear them. We have like Ohio and Nebraska 
and some other various uh, cities. Uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Uh, it's just a bunch of kids wearing the mask. And the sound, there's the song playing in the background. Clearly I'm getting really tired. I should really try and do these earlier. <clears throat> English is not my best suit, apparently. Can't put words together. But yeah, it's just a montage of the various cities with a bunch of kids putting the mask on and the song playing in repeat in the background. Let me see uh, the friend who works at the coroner's office trying to get a hold of Dan and Santamira. But, uh, yeah, she's not gonna, she's not gonna get through to him, I don't think. So at this uh, point when she's still trying to dial, uh, she doesn't get an answer, so then she calls Rogers because she wants a second opinion on this piece that she found. And then uh, we have one of the robots, the gentleman in the black suits, sneaking into the coroner's office. And he's grabbing what looks to be a power drill. So we can only just imagine what's going to happen to her in this power drill. It's probably not going to be fun. We'll just uh, we'll just leave it at that. Um, she finally figures out something. It it, uh, it definitely has caught her interest because she goes to call the sheriff. And as soon as she goes to sheriff, uh, the phone gets hung up, and she gets thrown down on the ground. And next thing you know, the robot is on top of her with the drill in hand, and she's you just see a scene of her feet shaking and trying to get out. And then she goes life book because he just rammed that drill into the side of her face. I'm assuming the temple, which uh, would be the final blow at the end it all for her. Then we cut back to the Silver Shamrock headquarters where we see Dan who's tied to uh, a chair that has a TV in front of him. And Cochran says, uh, enjoy the horathon." We have uh, Cochran who's telling Dan some history about how Halloween was back when he grew up in in Ireland and the Celtic area and whatnot. Um, how it's a witchcraft and it's a celebration of Sahon. Sahon? Samhain? Sahon? Whatever that name is, however it's pronounced. So, uh, clearly, Halloween is a different thing to Cochrane than it is to the normal average person uh, it's just about getting candy and whatnot. Uh, for him no it's totally different and then uh, Cochrane puts on the skeleton mask on top of uh, uh, Dan Tom, Tom Atkins face and now he has to sit there with the mask on and watch the horathon on the TV not being able to move not being able to do anything and then Cochran says happy Halloween and exits the room. And we just cut to uh, Cochran who's in the facility watching the security camera as he's watching uh, Dan just sit in the chair and then uh, cuts back into Dan. He's moving around on the chair. Cochran the chair wasn't melted down at all. But he's uh, moving around enough to the point where he gets close enough to take both feet and smash the TV. That way he doesn't have to watch what's going on. Uh, makes you really wonder how uh, the Shamrock has enough cameras around the world to watch everything. Unless they're tapping into the, was it, CTV cameras system? <coughs> and uh, somehow Dan is able to grab a piece of the glass from the TV and cut his hands free. Uh, I'm not sure how he got that glass. Well, I guess it makes it kind of obvious how um, apparently he moves the chair closer sideways but even still your hands would be taped down in front of you but you know it is what it is and then once he gets his hands free he takes the mask off and puts the mask on top of the security camera he tosses it he's a really good shot because he tosses the mask and it fully goes on top of the camera system like no other magic trick possible and now we have Dan who's trying to escape. Door's locked though, but he's trying to get a vent panel off so he can go through the vent system. We have uh, Atkins who's uh, escaping through the ventilation system uh, as he's watching Cochran talk on the phone with another gentleman. And the gentleman's, or Cochran's reminding the gentleman, make sure to 
be around for the big giveaway at 9 o'clock. Because that's apparently when all the maps are going to come into effect and turn on. And Dan gets to see the roof system of these Silver Shamrock facility. And he's slowly making his way through. Um, not sure what his big plan is. Uh, he's in the shipping container area because clearly we see hundreds of boxes of Silver Shamrock. I'm assuming there's filled with mass in each one, even though it's already Halloween. So for the production value, it's definitely going to come to a halt now that, uh, you know, Halloween is pretty much over. Um, also, they're going to get ready to kill everyone, so therefore, you know, Halloween's going to be over either way. Especially if it's the last Halloween. And then we have uh, Dan, who's uh, only got one last person to call. And he calls his ex-wife, Linda. And he starts explaining everything to her. And she's not really listening. Or not really uh, too concerned with it. Because um, he's been missing for a little while. Um, hasn't been able to get the kids. And it's to the point where his ex-wife, Linda, is saying that she's drunk. And he's trying to convince Linda to get rid of the kids' mask. Because they both have a silver shamrock mask. And she just thinks he's drunk and jealous over it. And does not listen to him at all. So now we have uh, Atkins going further through the facility. He finally gets to where Ellie is and tries to wake her up to get her out. And that's when they pick him up on the security camera and they all get ready to go capture the both of them again. It is now 8.26. It gives you a little bit of time before 9 o'clock for the big giveaway to happen. This movie also feels a lot longer than it really is. I feel like I've been watching it for like almost two hours now. Uh, I have not been though. It's been like an hour and a half maybe? Hour and 20, give or take? No, I don't mean that in a bad way. It's, you know, it could be taken in a good way. It's just, I feel like I've been watching this movie longer than I actually have been. We have uh, Ellie and Dan who are now on the main uh, main floor of the basement, I guess, is where all these uh, scientists are watching security cameras and stone hedges. And uh, we have them sneaking around, trying to get ready to make their big move. Their big uh, escape plan to end it all. While sneaking around, Dan grabs one of the, the white shamrock. I don't know if it's like a button or like a patch. Um, the thing that... Uh, sh shot the lady in the face um, earlier in the the movie. Um, I guess he's setting it up so that's going to be his like main trap or weapon f to end it all. Because you just see him grab it and he just then he doesn't really do anything with it at this exact point in moment. Uh, this whole time, uh, Dan slowly sneaking his way further and further into the the headquarters, the main floor. Uh, apparently none of the scientists, Mr. Cochran or the robots, none of them none of them notice he's like literally right there behind him. Uh, no no thought, no nothing at all. Uh, then he just starts pressing buttons on what looks like to be like the main computer that's almost in the center of everyone. And while pressing buttons, uh, he turns on the theme music for the commercial and then he runs away and starts running up the stairs I don't know why he thought that was a good idea you know for all we know him turning on that music could have sped up the process of the big giveaway uh, when he walked up to the stairs to go to the Raptors he's actually carrying a box which apparently is just completely full of the silver shamrock um, white circle buttons or badges or whatever they might be called and then he uh, opens up the box and drops them from the ceiling and they all start going off shocking everyone and he pretty much drops the whole crew of people uh, the only one left standing by the looks of it is uh, Mr. Cochran so at this point uh, Mr. Cochran is just looking on in shock and then uh, he turns around to look at one of the Stonehenge pieces and then the circle formation where the all the computers is starts to light up blue um, it seems that Mr. Cochran's going to be a sacrifice to Stonehenge. And uh, he just looks up to the rafters at Dan and Ellie and smirks and starts clapping, saying pretty much, you know, 
Well done. Well done. You screwed me over. Well done. And uh, next thing we know, we see a lightning bolt come out of the Stonehenge slab. And it zaps Mr. Cochran, and he slowly disappears. And then all the computer systems and everything gets zapped. And then next thing you know, we're outside watching Dan Ellie run away from the factory. And the factory's there, and then there's this nice, like, reddish-orange sky behind it. And then we just cut to a scene of Ellie and Dan driving away, and it's 8.48 p.m. And then the Silver Shamrock commercial starts to come on. While driving in the car, uh, Ellie's definitely not the same person she was when uh, they first got together, because she's literally just staring on like a robot. And then next thing you know, Ellie grabs uh, Dan's head and starts trying to crush it. And then we got the car going off the road and going through some tall tall grass until it smashes into a tree. And Dan, you know, wobbles out of the driver's seat. He's looking back in the car and Ellie's already gone. But where has she gone? That's uh, a question we don't know the answer to right now at the moment. Never mind, we find her. She's somehow behind Dan. Uh, not sure how, but uh, she got behind Dan and is now, you know, choking him out with one hand. Uh, that's when Dan then grabs the tire out of the trunk of the car and starts wailing on Ellie. Uh, breaks off her arm and comes to find out her arm is just a robotic arm. Then he takes another, another hit and takes the head right off and comes to find out she's been a robot ever since he got her back. So maybe the real Ellie is somewhere inside the factory still, or maybe uh, they just take the body and uh, take out all the bones and everything and make it a robot for all I know. Not really sure of the process of that one. Maybe she was a robot the whole time. Maybe this was just a big evil plan. It's actually Ellie's other arm is actually stuck on the passenger door, and Dan gets back in the car and goes to shut that door. And when he slams that door shut, the hand comes back alive and starts to uh, choke him out as well. So she's really, she's really uh, doing a number on him. You know, even, even just a lonely arm and hand is trying to kill him. You know, this is why you don't just hook up with strangers, folks. Don't just hook up with strangers. You never know. They could be a robot. Could be a robot for all you know, or worse. You know, a serial killer. Or better, you know, depending uh, how you look at it, I guess. And then we just see a scene of Dan running through the woods. Uh, he's run away because the bo Ellie's body came back alive again. But then it just dropped to the ground and started grabbing uh, at his pant leg. And then we cut back to the gas station from the original, or from the intro. I don't know why I said the original. Um, but yeah, same gas clerk. And, uh, yeah. Now it's pretty much a repeating of the beginning of the movie. Now Dan's a crazy person running away, and not Ellie's dad. And then while Dan's on the phone trying to get a hold of the police to try and, uh, tell them to stop the, the song, um, three kids come up to the gas station wearing the shamrock mask. And, uh, one of the kids walks up to the TV because the Silver Shamrock theme song is playing. And then uh, then we hear technical difficulties and the song stops. And the kids just keeps changing the TV channel. And then uh, th there's another technical difficulty. The song goes off. And then the kid turns the channel for a third time. And the uh, song keeps going. And then we just have a cutback between scenes of Dan yelling stop it in the phone. And we see the punking and the blue screen flashing on the TV. And that's that's the end of the movie. <coughs> that was a really good one. That's a fun one. It's definitely a cool take of the fact that there's um, this Max Corporation that's trying to um, take over, pretty much, in a sense. Which, it does tie in with the Halloween series in a way. Um, the fact that, you know, Michael Myers wears a mask, so maybe deep down inside somewhere in the lineage of the series, 
that mass was created by the, the uh, silver shamrock, and that's what ties it all together. Um, like I said, I'm not big on the Halloween series, so that could be the truth. I don't really know if it is or not, um, but I should really watch them. I'm probably going to watch them all just for the podcast for that very sake and reason. So, but yeah, this is a good movie. Um, I will give it um, three out of five silver shamrocks. Um, it's decent. I, I enjoy it. I think it's a nice, fun movie. And you don't need to be a Halloween series fan to watch this movie, which is nice. So, which brings us to our next thing. Uh, we have to decide what we're going to be watching next. Um, and this one is going to be for my buddy, John, who, with the help of Tom, they run the um, Got Faded Japan podcast. I know I should be saying this stuff a lot smoother and f- quicker, but I am so goddamn tired. But yeah, it's a request from Johnny, Johnny boy, uh, from Got Faded Japan. Um, he wants me to do uh, Fright Night, the original Fright Night. So we're going to be watching that next. I'm going to do some good old vampire action. And maybe we'll do a couple vampire movies. I'm not too sure yet. But uh, the first vampire movie is definitely going to be Fright Night. So yeah, it's been a while since I watched the original. So I'm looking forward to that one. It's a good movie. So until next time, I hope you guys all enjoyed it. If you did. Make sure to leave a like down below and a comment. Feel free to share it as well. Every little bit helps. Um, if you guys want to keep in touch with me, just uh, search me on any of the social media forums. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all those other ones that I don't know about that I might be on, but probably not. Because I just listed the ones I'm on. Um, but yeah, uh, just at Typhenstein. T-Y-P-H-E-N-S-T-E-I-N. Uh, I'll leave all the links down in the bio as well in the description like always so if you guys want to use the hashtag rotten reviews to give me some uh, feedback give me some suggestions let me know what you want me to watch i'm always up for anything and if it's something i haven't watched before then even better and it's a fresh look on it so so until next time i will talk to you guys all later peace